0: Welcome to English 304 Business Communications. This is Dr. Reginald Watson, and I just wanted to uh, send you this first audio recording to uh, give a brief overview of what is expected in the course. Now, when I set up our Zoom meetings, I will always send you an invitation. Uh, Our first Zoom meeting uh, during that time I will uh, talk more about the syllabus and the requirements but I felt like I needed to send this audio recording uh, to get you on track uh, before that time if you look at the syllabus you'll see that you're going to be required to do three oral presentations the first one is the to inform presentation. The second one is to persuade. The third and last presentation is to argue. Now, what do I want you to do for these presentations? How will that be set up since we're not going to be in a physical classroom? And I think I sent out an email clarifying that, okay? Yes, there is a scheduled Uh, room assignment, but this is an online course, completely asynchronous, okay? So, what does that mean in terms of the presentations? What I'm going to do when I start the oral presentations, which the first one, the to inform presentation, right now is scheduled for May 20th, okay? Now, that may change, uh, after I sent out my question uh, concerning schedules, it would appear that most of you are available on Thursdays uh, from, I think I told you, 6.30 to about 8.30. Okay, So for right now, it seems that Thursday, which was the original uh, date for this class, it seems like that will hold up for... Uh, all scheduled meetings so put this on your calendar for right now may 20th will be the day that we do the two inform presentations now how will that work what is required okay one of you have has already asked me about uh, the materials that i sent part of the uh, materials the documents that i sent was uh, Outline, okay, a sample outline which talks about uh, the Affordable Care Act. Okay, I sent that for a reason because for each of your oral presentations, okay, you need to have three items. One is an outline of what you're going to talk about, okay, number two, you should have a copy of your PowerPoint, which I recommend that all of you uh, do uh, short PowerPoints for each of the presentations, and I'll explain why. And the third and last item that I want is a works cited page, okay? Now, in your textbooks, there's a discussion of MLA and how the works cited page is set up, but there is information that I will be sending pretty soon um, concerning MLA 8th edition, okay? Uh, the Purdue OWL site is a great resource uh, that sets up uh, how the, the papers uh, should look and your documentation process. So I will send that link to everyone uh, before next week, okay? I also have scheduled a library presentation, uh, which I think I set it up for Wednesday. I may uh, change it back to Thursday, but all that entails is that a librarian, um, Chip Larkin, and you may be hearing from him pretty soon, he will send uh, a Microsoft's team invite and it might be a, a Zoom, invitation, and say from 6.15 to about 7.30, he's going to talk to the class about how to utilize the research tools in the library, because as you look at the syllabus, uh, you please note that you have one major paper. It's called the individual uh, research paper, okay, and it has to be five pages at least, okay, or Uh, at least five pages of content, and the Works Cited page will be the sixth page. And I'll talk about that paper um, a little bit later on in this audio, okay? But when you first look at the assignments, the requirements for this course, the first thing that I have listed are the three presentations, okay? And I told you that the two Informed presentation should start on the 20th of may okay and i will send a zoom invitation for each scheduled day of meetings okay so there will be a scheduled library presentation and there will be at least three scheduled dates for the to inform to persuade and to argue presentations so three items that you'll turn into me Prior to the date of presentations will be your outline, a typed outline, and please follow the format on the sample outline that I sent to you earlier. And number two, uh, a PowerPoint. Although in the syllabus it says to have some uh, documents uh, to basically outline what you're saying. Um, some type of handouts uh, would have sufficed if we were in a classroom setting. But since this is going to be totally online, what I want you all to do is come up with short PowerPoints because on each scheduled day of the meetings, I'm going to, uh, of course, set up the Zoom, okay? And I will enable the zoom to uh, uh, basically make it easy for you to share your your powerpoint slides so what i will do in the very beginning of the scheduled meeting is uh, ask who wants to go first and for each presentation what you would have to do is share your prepared powerpoint Then I will ask that you uh, present yourself to your classmates, say a little bit about yourself, and then you'll proceed to talk through the PowerPoint slides, okay? And at the end of your presentation and on the syllabus, I tell you that uh, the presentations should be around seven minutes. Uh, If it's a little bit longer than that, that's fine. And so after you have presented your materials, you will ask your classmates, do they have questions? And that's pretty much the procedure for each and every presentation, okay? So since we're not in a classroom, all of you need to come up with prepared PowerPoints, okay? And I want the PowerPoint presentation, your outline, and a works cited page sent to me prior to the scheduled uh, date of presentations. Now, what are you supposed to be doing? What exactly are you supposed to be preparing for each presentation? Well, uh, among the materials that I sent you uh, was a list of topics, business-related topics, okay? Uh, Those topics should help you in terms of brainstorming about exactly what you want to discuss in these presentations as well as um, a choice for your your major paper. Okay, if you look at the, the business-related topics, you'll see where I have a number of uh, subjects that are related to either business or finance. Okay, so when I say business-related topic, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the Affordable Care Act, uh, something about the American Rescue Plan that was uh, not passed uh, long ago, passed long, not long ago uh, by the Biden administration, okay? So when you talk about uh, the stimulus uh, programs that we have seen a lot of during the pandemic, when you talk about uh, issues related to um, the Bitcoin, Uh, the emergence of Bitcoin, when you talk about uh, businesses in general, uh, ethics violations that have been committed over the years, if you talk about Wall Street or the stock market, okay, uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, the North Carolina State Lottery, uh, the up-and-coming state budget, whenever you talk about subjects that are related to finance and business, Those are appropriate topics, okay? So for the to inform presentation, all you're going to do is choose a business-related topic and talk about that topic, inform us about the basics connected to that topic. For example, the Affordable Care Act, or as you know it, the Obamacare uh, Health Program. Uh, which right now is in front of the Supreme Court, and there is a danger of a mostly conservative court striking down the entire law. Let's hope that that does not happen, particularly during a pandemic that is still ongoing. Okay, so what is Obamacare? If you choose that topic to do your two informed presentation on, what you would basically do is outline for seven minutes what makes up Obamacare, what are the rules, what, what exactly makes it tick. So all you're going to do for the first presentation is inform us about your selected topic. You're not going to persuade us, you're not going to argue anything, you're gonna just inform us about the chosen topic. Here's another uh, hint that uh, you could discuss. Uh, another example of a good informative business topic is Bitcoin, okay? A lot of people are still learning about that system, cryptocurrency, okay? So if you wanted to talk about Bitcoin or uh, just the general category of cryptocurrency, you could do that for the two Informed presentation. In other words, you're educating your fellow classmates and me, about the chosen topic. And remember, whatever you choose needs to be related to finances or money, okay, uh, business. You need to mention numbers somewhere in your presentation, okay? So for the two Informed presentation, which begins on May 20th, around 630, you need to make sure that you choose a topic that you can educate us about. And in the past, some students have chosen to talk about the North Carolina State Lottery, okay? What what exactly uh, is the program? When did it start? Uh, where does the funding go, okay? Uh, the Affordable Care Act is another popular topic, okay? Which you could uh, utilize for not just The to inform presentation, but you could also utilize it for either the to persuade or to argue presentations. And on that note, you may utilize the same topic twice for you know two of the required uh, oral presentations. So say if you want to um, choose the Affordable Care Act for your to inform presentation, and you want to turn around and do it again for the to argue or to persuade. I will allow that, okay? So, in a nutshell, your presentations, okay, will require turning in only three items. You don't have to write many papers for each of the presentations. All you're going to turn in to me are the outline, the works cited page, and, of course, copy of the PowerPoint that you're going to use. And on the night of the presentations, I'm going to set up the Zoom screen so that you can share your PowerPoint for all your classmates to see. And then you will talk through each slide, Uh, of course, utilizing your outline. And, of course, seven minutes will be the time frame. Okay, and at the end of your presentation, you'll, uh, you know, ask your classmates if they have any questions, okay? So that's the way it's going to go for the to inform, the to persuade, and the to argue presentations, okay? Now briefly, I'll briefly talk about the to persuade and the to argue presentations. Again, same setup, but it's a different approach. For the two persuade presentations, you're going to choose a topic that, in a sense, can be argued, okay? Uh, The Affordable Care Act is definitely a good topic for an argumentative or persuasive presentation. What's the difference between persuasion and argumentative uh, uh, presentations? The difference is this, for the persuasive presentation, you're only going to present your side of the argument. Yes, your topic should be argumentative, meaning that two sides of the issue can be explored, okay? But you're going to take one of the two sides. For the two persuade presentation, all you need to do is just argue for your side of the argument, and you are going to persuade us to a particular point of view, okay? So, I recommend that if you choose a topic like the Affordable Care Act, um, you could come up with a thesis statement, okay, which uh, briefly defined means statement of purpose. A thesis statement tells, point by point, what you are going to discuss. Okay, whether it's a presentation or whether it's a paper. So make sure that when you're drawing up your outlines that you follow the format that I sent you in the sample outline by doing a brief introduction, and then in the outline, you'll set off what we call the thesis statement. So for, say, a to persuade presentation, I would recommend that, You take a stand, okay, a persuasive stand, and come up with two, maybe three points to back up your side of the argument. And, of course, those points will be included in a one-sentence thesis statement. For example, say if you're going to choose the Affordable Care Act, your thesis statement could look something like this. I feel that the Affordable Care Act should stay in place because... It helps contribute to uh, the economy, comma. It ensures uh, millions of people, comma. And with the Affordable Care Act in place, it will continue uh, to um, ensure millions and millions of people. So what I would do is come up with two, maybe three points as to why I feel the way I feel, okay? Um, Another good argumentative or persuasive topic is the North Carolina State Lottery. A thesis statement could look something like this. I feel like the North Carolina State Lottery should stay in place because it opens the door for uh, individuals to gain wealth, comma, and it does a good job at funding our educational system in North Carolina. Okay, those are two reasons. And what I would do is build my um, presentation or if I'm um, going to choose that same topic for my paper, uh, I could use that same topic, that same thesis statement. So make sure that whatever you're talking about, that you have two, maybe three points that are clearly made during your presentations, okay? And eventually in your written paper, okay? So the outline is very important. The reason why I want you to turn in an outline for the presentations is because it will help organize your approach to whatever your chosen topic is. So a persuasive topic like the Affordable Care Act, you could come up with two, maybe three reasons why you are taking one-sided argument, whether you're for or against the topic, okay? And uh, the to argue presentation is slightly different. The difference between persuasive and argumentative is this, to persuade, as I already talked about, is one side, one-sided argument, okay? Okay? You don't have to talk about anything else but your side. But for the to argue presentation, okay, I want you to note that you have to have three sources, okay? Previous two uh, presentations only required one source, okay? And, of course, those sources should come from what we call periodicals, okay? Maybe academic journals, if need be. Uh, probably not books, but when I say periodicals, I'm talking about things like newspapers, okay? And I've already started sending you very, very good articles from the News and Observer, which hopefully will help you brainstorm about what types of topics you want to discuss. So when I say sources, that's what I mean. What you're going to do for the two informed presentations is bring in at least one source that helps back up the information that you're giving us. And, of course, that source should be on your Works Cited page. For the to persuade presentation, only one source is required. And, again, what will that source uh, com- be comprised of? It will be comprised of information maybe from a newspaper article that helps support at least one of the reasons that you're, you're using to back up your side of a particular argument. So, for example, if I'm going to do my to persuade on the Affordable Care Act, and I came up with at least two or three reasons why I feel it should stay in place, well, then I will do some research and try to find a newspaper article that helps support at least one of the reasons stated in my thesis statement, okay? So that's what I mean by sources. So for the first two presentations, only one source per presentation is required. But for the to argue presentation, the reason why three sources are required is because for the to argue presentation, you need to not only just talk about your side of the argument but you also need to briefly discuss what the opposition is saying. Okay, So no, you're not going to equally argue both sides. You're going to still take one side of the argument. The difference is for the to argue presentation, you're going to bring in at least two sources to strengthen your side of the argument, but the third source will represent what the opposition is saying. And during your Uh, presentation, you need to make mention of those sources. Okay, So the to argue platform, the to argue presentation, requires three sources. Two that support your position. One that represents the opposition. And somewhere during your seven minute presentation you need to make references to not what your sided argument not just your side but also talk about what the opposition is saying and you mention the opposition only to turn around and refute it uh dr so-and-so says that i'm wrong about this particular position but i disagree because so it's almost like a debate in written form so for the to argue presentation that is why you need Three sources, two that support and strengthen your side of the argument, and one source that briefly mentions any opposition to what you're saying, okay? And this is the way it's going to go pretty much for the paper itself, okay? The paper, as I told you earlier, is not due until around June 10th, but I want you to start thinking about how you are going to approach it. The paper, just like your presentations, could be based on uh, to argue, to inform, or to persuade. Now, if you're going to do a to inform or to persuade paper, all you need are two sources, okay? And that's the reason why I scheduled a library presentation, okay? Because you need to know how to go about researching and finding the right types of sources that will support what you're trying to say. So, you'll need sources for your presentations, but you'll also need at least two sources for the paper itself, if you're going to do your paper based on to inform or to persuade. But if you do an argumentative paper, then just like for the argumentative presentation, you need to include three sources. Of course, two sources are going to back up your argument, okay? One source needs to represent the opposition. Now, what are you doing in the papers? You're going to be organized in writing about a business-related topic. Say if you choose, again, the Affordable Care Act, what you would do is in the first paragraph, the introduction, you would briefly talk about the Affordable Care Act. When did it come about? When When was it passed into state law? Well, it was around 2005, okay? So if you're going to do, say, an argumentative approach to the uh, Affordable Care Act, um, or if you're going to uh, do an argumentative approach to the North Carolina State Lottery, um, you could basically, in the introduction, say a little bit about those topics, about their origins, okay? Um, The Affordable Care Act, I I wrongfully said that it started back in 2005. Uh, The Affordable Care Act was passed much, much later than that. I was thinking about the North Carolina State Lottery, which, um, if I'm not mistaken, was passed in 2005, So what you would do is if you choose an argumentative topic and want to do an argumentative paper, well, in the very first paragraph, you need to give background information on that topic, whether it's North Carolina State Lottery or, like I said, the Obamacare or Affordable Care Act. So in the first paragraph, I call it the head, okay, Uh, Think of the paper as kind of like a body, okay? Head, body, feet, okay? The most important part of that paper is how you start it in the introduction. So you'll give a brief overview of the topic in the first paragraph. And then the last sentence in the introduction, I mean in, in the first paragraph the last sentence in the first paragraph will be your thesis statement or statement of purpose. And you may use the first person narrative, meaning you may use I. So if I'm doing the Affordable Care Act, uh, I would do a brief overview about the act. And um, then in the thesis statement, if I'm doing an argument, I would clearly state two or three reasons why I feel the Affordable Care Act is right or wrong, okay? And I can start it out like this. I believe that the Affordable Care Act should not be struck down because it has helped insure millions of people, comma, and it is a great boon to our economy and the health care industry. Okay? So if that's my thesis statement, what am I going to do in the body of the paper? I'm going to devote at least one paragraph to each of the points in my thesis statement. Okay? So look at it like this for each point in your thesis statement, if you have two points, you need at least two full paragraphs okay, in the body of the paper to support those points, okay? So if you have a three-point thesis statement, you're going to have at least three paragraphs in the body of your paper, okay? And as I told you, if you do an argumentative approach in your paper, you need to bring in three sources, three quotes from your three sources. So you have to bring in direct quotes from each of the required sources somewhere in the body of your paper. Okay, so what am I going to do? I'm going to see if I can find uh, newspaper articles or maybe journal uh, articles that support at least one of my reasons in the thesis statement. And then I will quote from those two sources uh, accordingly. Okay, so... I would recommend that you come up with maybe two, three points in your thesis statement. And then when you do your research, find at least two people who basically agree with one or more of the points in your thesis statement. And then you will bring in direct quotes from those sources to help strengthen your argument, okay? So I want your opinion, but I also want you to back it up with legitimate academic or public sources okay so in a nutshell what you're going to do in the paper is have a strong introduction okay and keep this in mind when i say paragraph i'm talking about a paragraph that has five or more sentences Okay, so I don't like short paragraphs, okay? If you have a paragraph that's running longer than five or six sentences, I don't care, okay? Just don't give me a paragraph that's under five sentences. So your introduction should be longer than five or more sentences. And in the introduction, you're gonna give a brief overview background information on your chosen topic you'll go from general to specific meaning you'll start out with general information and then you'll end the introduction with a one sentence thesis statement which clarifies specifies the points that you are going to discuss whether it's a to inform to persuade or to argue presentation you still need to have a clear-cut thesis statement, okay? So if you're going to do, say, a two-in-form on, say, the North Carolina State Lottery, okay, what would your thesis statement look like? Well, you could break down your discussion into three major components about the North Carolina State Lottery. If you're going to just do a two-in-form on Obamacare, you could uh, fashion your thesis statement to uh, discuss two, maybe three major components of the program, of the law that you want to develop in the body of your paper. So regardless of whether it's to inform, to persuade, or to argue, you still need a clear-cut, organized thesis statement. And then you will devote at least one paragraph to each of the points in your thesis statement. Don't let any quotes uh, overshadow or dominate what you have to say, okay? I don't like back-to-back direct quotes. You need to insert your own voice, your own opinion into these papers, regardless of whether it's argumentative, persuasive, or informative. You still need to dominate the paper with your own thoughts. Your own opinions, okay? Bring in quotes that will strengthen your own argument, okay? So, again, if you're going to do a paper on Obamacare, I would recommend an argumentative or persuasive approach. If you do the argumentative approach, you need three sources, okay? If you're gonna do a persuasive approach or to inform approach, you need only two sources but you need to bring in quotes from the required sources somewhere in the body of the paper, okay? So what would I do in the body of the paper? Based on Obamacare, I would devote a paragraph at least to the first point in my thesis statement. And then I will insert any quote or quotes that may back me up on that particular point. And then somewhere in the body of the paper, I'm going to bring in a direct quote from uh, what the opposition is saying, but only to refute what they're saying. In other words, I'm not going to balance out the argument by bringing in an equal number of quotes from, you know, my side and the other side. Okay, the the idea is to build a strong argument in your favor. That's why you should bring in two sources for your own side and only one source for the opposition, okay? So once you have established a complete body in the paper, meaning you have uh, brought in a paragraph, at least a paragraph for each of your thesis points, then you'll end the paper with a strong conclusion. And this is what I recommend you do. In the very first part of the concluding Paragraph, all you need to do is restate your thesis statement, okay? Meaning, repeat the original thesis statement that was in your introduction. Then, for the rest of the concluding paragraph, this is what I want you to do, okay? I want you to briefly talk about what you may have learned as a result of doing the research paper. Number two, I want you to Uh, talk about uh, any updates on your particular topic. For example, in the body of your paper, if you didn't have a chance to bring in the most current information, say about Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, then in the concluding paragraph, this is where you could talk about the most recent occurrences, the most recent events connected to your topic. For example, if you're doing Obamacare, uh, you could, if you didn't mention it in the body of your paper, you could talk about the recent um, situation with the Supreme Court. You could update your reader on where the Affordable Care Act stands now in, in front of the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. So you could talk about that briefly in the concluding paragraph. So, number one, restate your thesis statement. Number two, talk about what you learned as a result of writing the paper on that particular topic. Number three, update your reader on what is currently going on with that particular topic. And last but not least, bring in any personal connections, uh, you know, between yourself and the topic, okay? If you're doing Obamacare, you could talk about whether you... Yourself um, benefited from the Affordable Care Act? Or did you know someone who basically benefited from it? Uh, did you know any parents that were able to keep uh, their young ones on their insurance plan until their young uh, children turns 26 years old? Okay, there's a lot of benefits in the Affordable Care Act. Uh, particularly when it comes down to birth control and and other types of health care related to women. Did you know anybody that personally benefited from the program? In the concluding paragraph, this is where you can bring in those types of references, okay? And again, personalize it as much as possible, okay? So, five-page paper, what does that mean? I want five complete pages, If you give me more than that, I'm happy. Don't give me under that. So when I say five page paper, I'm talking about five pages of content, five complete pages of content. Okay, the sixth page would be your works cited page. And I told you that I will send you a link to the Purdue OWL site, which talks about the rules of MLA, how to set up your works cited page, how to uh, parenthetically document uh, quotes or paraphrases in your paper, okay? And of course in our scheduled uh, Zoom meetings, particularly the first one, I will talk in more detail about what you need to do when you document direct quotes, okay? Because if you don't utilize what we call parenthetical documentation, then you can be charged with plagiarism. So after every direct quote, okay, you need to make sure that in the parentheses you put the appropriate information. Simple rule. If you mention the author's name before the quote, or what we call in the signal phrase, meaning if you say according to Dr. Watson, before the direct quote. Then in the parentheses, you don't need to mention Watson, okay? You just put the page or page numbers where you got that quote from, okay? So say if you're utilizing a journal article written by me, okay, published in 2010, you got a quote from page 10. Alright, what would you put in the parentheses if you said, according to Dr. Watson, and you use the direct quote from page 10? Well, in the parentheses, since you mentioned my name, you don't have to put Watson. All you would have to do is put the number 10. Okay, Don't put the word page or put a little abbreviation for page, just put the number 10, close the parentheses, put the period at the end of the parentheses, okay, after the last parenthesis, okay? And of course, any direct quote has to have quotation marks, so make sure that you have quotation marks before and after the directly quoted information, okay? Okay. So, again, if you're going to mention the author's name before the quote, you don't have to put the author's last name in the parentheses, just the page number. Okay, And this, let me make it clear, these are rules related to sources that have page numbers. Okay, Now, some sources, electronic sources, don't have page numbers, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. All right, so here are the rules. If your sources have pages and you mention the author's name before the direct quote, then in the parentheses, all you need to do is put page or page numbers, okay? If you don't mention the author's name before the quote, okay, then what do you do in the parentheses? You put last name, and I'll give you my example again, Watson no comma the number 10 okay that's if you don't mention the author's name in this case my name before the quote so if you don't say according to dr watson before the quote then you need to put watson 10 in the parentheses okay now same article but it has no page numbers So, here are the rules for articles that have no page numbers. And you might run into that situation, okay? Even with some newspaper articles or journal articles, okay? Same article written by me, published in 2010. How would you parenthetically document a direct quote from a source that has no page numbers, okay? Well, what you would do is whether you mention the author's name before the quote or not, you will consistently, in the parentheses, put the last name of the author and the publication, four-digit year of publication, in the parentheses. So for my example, if you're using my article and you just happen to get a version that had no page numbers, what would you put in the parentheses? Whether you say according to Dr. Watson or not, you will still put in the parentheses my last name, Watson, and the four-digit year of publication. And I think I told you the publication year was 2010. So you will put the four-digit year after my name, close the parentheses, put the period. Now, that's only in cases where there are no page numbers okay so keep that in mind i've simplified the mla rules on that one because the rules are a little more complicated than that but i simplified the rules so keep in mind the rules for electronic sources meaning they don't have page numbers or sources that do have page numbers and i told you if you mention the author's name before the quote, and the source has page numbers, then all you need to do is put the page number or numbers in the parentheses, okay? If you don't mention the author's name before the quote and the source has page numbers, okay, then you would have to put the author's last name, no comma, page number in the parentheses. And I'll talk more in detail about this later. But I just mainly wanted to give you uh, a framework for what to expect when you start thinking about doing the individual research paper, okay? Which is not due until June 10th. And I want you to note that on most due days, the assignment should be emailed directly to me by no later than 10 p.m. There is no site um, where you would uh, upload your papers or any assignments. All things should be emailed directly to me, whether it's my Wesleyan email address or my DR1998 at embarkmail.com uh, personal email address. I want you to make sure that by 10 p.m. on every due date, you get the assignment sent to me directly, okay? So, what have I talked about so far? I've talked about the three presentations. I talked about what you need to turn in prior to the presentations. Outline, work cited page, and of course, whatever your PowerPoint is going to be. I talked about the types of sources, the types of topics you can uh, pretty much choose. Business-related, financially-related topics. Uh, On that list that I sent you, uh, you can look at the different subjects. Bitcoin, American Rescue Plan, uh, gentrification, Teachers pay. There's a number of topics that may not directly be connected to business but are uh, impacting our, our economy, whether it's statewide or nationally. So if you choose a topic that impacts the economy in any way, that is an appropriate topic to either do your presentations on or your papers. So... Three presentations, the first one beginning May 20th. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to send me the materials for each presentation, Uh, I would say at least 48 hours before the scheduled presentations, okay? And all you're gonna do is just email me, outline, works cited page, PowerPoint, okay? And then on the day of presentation, uh, you will click on Zoom. I will send an invitation prior to the scheduled date. And during the Zoom meeting, I will set my screen up so that you can share your PowerPoints. Okay? Now, one of the other things that I talked about, the papers. Okay, uh, The paper can be based on to inform, to persuade, or to argue. Two sources are required if you do your paper on to inform or to persuade. Three sources are required if you do your paper on an argument, okay? What are the other things you're getting graded on? Homework, the homework portfolio. As you know, in the calendar of the syllabus, I tell you exactly when you need to turn in your homework. Okay, by the end of the session, If you turn in all homework assignments, uh, you will get 100 for that grade, okay? The team presentations. I'll talk about that uh, in more depth on the next audio and possibly during our first scheduled Zoom meeting. But in a nutshell, all you're going to do is be assigned to a group. And just like you, you do for your individual oral presentations, You as a group will decide on what business-related topic you want to discuss in a seven-minute time frame. And on the last day of class is when I will set aside time for the teams to do their presentations. Okay, I think that's pretty much enough said for now. Um, If you have any questions about this initial overview of the syllabus, feel free to email me or even call me. Oh, and another thing, uh, your forms, there's eight of them. You'll be doing those by weeks, um, week by week. As long as you complete your forms or at the scheduled time, due date, you will receive full credit, okay? But make sure that you get these forms done in time okay uh, because in most cases they'll be utilized uh, for attendance they'll count towards attendance for that particular week okay so make sure that you stay on top of your forms okay and on that note I would like to congratulate all of you uh, as being the first class since I've been online to have 100% participation and completion of the week one form. Congratulations for that, okay? That's a very, very uh, good first step, okay? So what are you getting graded on in this class? For the most part, the three presentations, okay? And I will set up um, scheduled dates for each of those presentations. And as I said, initially, it looks like Thursdays might be the best day for most of you, if not all of you. So I may keep to the due dates that are listed on your your syllabus because all the due dates were based on this class being scheduled on a Thursday. As you know, officially, the class did not begin until May 6th, okay? So, most due dates are going to probably stay on Thursdays, okay, with an exception of a few assignments. All right, 10 p.m. is the, the time, the, the due time on those days, okay? And make sure that all assignments are emailed directly to me. Forms will be completed week by week. Homework, you won't have homework due every week, but probably every other week. Make sure that the end of chapter exercises are sent directly to me by the stated due date and time. Okay? Team projects, I will send you team assignments. Okay, There's about 11 of you in this class. So what I'm going to do is break it down into two teams. One team may have six. The other team may have five people in it. Okay, Once you get your assignments, you need to contact your fellow teammates and look to set up meetings, at least two meetings via Zoom or by phone, to brainstorm with your teammates about what particular topic you want to discuss on the last day of class. Team presentations are gonna be set up pretty much like the, the individual uh, oral presentations. Your team can choose a business-related topic and choose how to discuss that topic. Your team can choose to do it to inform, or to persuade, or to argue. The team must have two sources, at least, if they're gonna do a to inform or to persuade presentation. If they do a to argue presentation, then they need three, pretty much like the individual presentations, okay? Again, there's very little difference between the team project and what you're doing as individuals, okay? The major difference, of course, is that there will be more than one of you working on getting the presentation set up. So once your team is established and you start having meetings, you may want to decide on who does what. Okay, Because for the team presentation, you need the same types of materials you needed for the uh, individual presentations. All you're turning into me are, you know, outline, PowerPoint, work cited page, okay? And so what you might want to do during your meetings is decide on who's going to come up with the PowerPoint, who is going to do the outline, who is going to do the actual presentation or uh, bring all the materials together. In the past, some teams have opted to have one spokesperson, To present all the materials, or some teams have decided to uh, have each individual do his or her part. It's up to you, okay? As long as every team member has contributed to the final product. If one or two team members are not doing what they're supposed to do, then someone needs to notify me so that. The absent party does not hurt the, the grade for the whole group, okay? So make sure that you keep me posted on how your team is progressing so that at the end of the day, your presentation does not get hurt by lack of participation from one or more people, okay? Because everybody will get the same grade. Okay, that's based on the assumption that everybody contributed, okay? And again, the team projects, uh, the team presentations will not happen until the last day of this course, okay? And again, as I said about 10, 15 minutes ago, it's time to wrap it up. I, I think that that's enough said about the syllabus uh, periodically, you'll be getting uh, newspaper articles from me for your own uh, information. You may want to utilize some of the, the newspaper articles for your own papers or your own presentations. I leave that up to you. But for right now, make sure that you're doing your forms on time. Make sure that you... Are reading, doing your readings, and uh, doing your homework. The first uh, week one uh, homework assignment uh, is due Friday night, May 7th, by 10 p.m. So make sure you have chapters one, two, and three uh, completed, okay, by that time. So, first scheduled Zoom meeting, it may not happen. early next week, it may not happen um, next week at all. I'm, I'm just not certain at this point when I want to schedule the first Zoom meeting, but your library presentations will be coming up soon and I will send you notification of exactly when that's going to be. All right, for now I'll just sign off and um, if you have any questions about this audio, feel free to email me or call me and at our first scheduled Zoom meeting, which more than likely is going to take place on a Thursday beginning at 6.30. 630, That is when I'll go into more detail about uh, the requirements for this course. Have a good night, and you'll hear from me soon. This is my second podcast or audio recording. I wanted to send this out to you to give you an update. I just sent an email stating that there will be no Zoom meeting scheduled for um, May the 13th at 630. And as, as you know, I wanted to set up a Zoom meeting prior to the presentations so that I could uh, further talk about the, the syllabus and, uh, and what's required for the presentations, as well as everything else. But the first audio, I think, did a pretty good job at summarizing the requirements and giving you some details about what is expected for the to inform, the to persuade, and the to argue presentations, as well as the paper. Uh, which I briefly discussed in the first audio. So even though I did that, I feel that a meeting, a Zoom meeting where we're all online will help further clarify what you need to do for business uh, communications. So I have scheduled the Zoom meeting for that discussion, on May 20th at 6.30. And what I'm going to do is send an invitation for that meeting. So, there will be no Zoom meeting this week, okay? May 13th. The first presentations, okay, won't happen until May 27th, the two inform presentations. Uh, I originally wanted to start those presentations next week, but I have decided to give you more time to work on what you may want to discuss. Okay? And plus, I really wanted to have that Zoom meeting prior to uh, the presentation. So May 20th is the Zoom meeting to discuss the syllabus even more to go into more detail about your requirements for this course, okay? So May 20th, 6.30, will be that meeting. May 27th will be the date where the two informed presentations will begin. And on that Thursday night, we'll start around about 6.30. On another note, I just sent you notification that our first library presentation will be that following class period of June the 3rd okay Chip Larkin is the librarian who will probably begin his session around 615 on the night of June 3rd Thursday night to discuss the research databases in the library and how you can access those library uh, databases. Why is this important? Well, you have a major paper, okay? A five-page paper that will require two or maybe three sources, academic sources, to help support what you're talking about in that paper. And I talked about this in some detail in the first audio, but I'll just reiterate. If you're going to do a paper based on to inform or to persuade, then you'll need two sources, okay? Two sources that help support at least one of your thesis points, okay? If you do an argumentative paper, you'll need three sources, two sources that back up your thesis statement and at least one source that represents the opposition. So that June 3rd meeting is very, very important. And since all of you pretty much uh, stated that you had some flexibility, on Thursdays, I asked Chip Larkin to change his library um, meeting from Wednesday to Thursday, which is June 3rd. And it will probably start at 6.15 p.m. and he will of course send an invitation to that meeting. So I hope all of you are available for that night because it will be a very important meeting that will help you in terms of understanding how to utilize uh, the research databases that can be accessed online, okay? And it's very important because your major paper as well as your presentations require the use of academic sources. And I'll go back to that point that I brought up in the first audio. When I talk about sources, I'm talking about academic sources from either periodicals, which means newspapers or magazines, or you could utilize academic journals. But let me reiterate this point. If you're going to choose a business related topic that is current, more than likely your best resources will be periodicals like newspapers or maybe magazines because of course they'll have more up-to-date information. So I would recommend that you utilize uh, newspaper articles like the ones that I've been sending you. Uh, since the beginning of this course, okay? So I just wanted to shoot you this short podcast to remind you of the things to come and the changes in due dates, okay? The first presentations will not start until May 27th. The library presentation will be June Third at six fifteen. Okay. Now, all along, what you need to do is, of course, continue um, completing your forms that are due week by week. Okay. One of your forms requires that you choose one of the many newspaper articles that I have sent to everybody. Okay, and talk about that newspaper article in your form okay now on that note please keep in mind that i am sending these newspaper articles not just for that particular form but to help assist you in coming up with an appropriate or appropriate uh, business related topics okay and there's been a lot of news uh, recently i've already sent you articles Uh, about the pipeline, you know, the hacking of the pipeline and how that has led to a lot of headache for all of us. Well, how is that related to business? Okay, How is um, that particular topic as well as, um, say, ransomware uh, pertinent to what this course is all about? Well, ransomware... Is related to cybersecurity. The reason why the colonial pipeline had to shut down operations is because they were hacked by an outside organization of hackers, okay, probably based in Russia. And what they did was disrupt the major pipeline that supports the southeast part of this country. So that is why the Colonial Pipeline had to shut down its operations so that they could uh, go in and make sure that there would be no further uh, problems or disruptions, okay? So if you choose cybersecurity or ransomware for either your presentations or maybe your paper, That will be an entirely appropriate topic for this course because cybersecurity is very, very essential. Uh, And we were reminded of that with this recent debacle concerning the colonial pipeline. Uh, Cybersecurity is very, very important when it comes down to making sure that ordinary operations continue in this country. And unfortunately, there's outside um, agents that will, for a ransom, disrupt uh, either a city or a town, or as we saw in this case, a major corporation, disrupt them just so that they can get money. And there are bad hackers out there who do this just for the ransom. Uh, So I don't know if you were aware of this, but a lot of small towns, even here in North Carolina, have had to pay out money to get their um, technical operations back online. So there are very, very insidious uh, agents out there who just to make millions of dollars will go in and uh, disrupt a company's uh, operations via the computer, via the internet. Okay, a lot of valuable information, personal information, uh, has been hacked into on uh, not just a you know company level, but on a town or city level. Um, in fact, uh, in Greenville, North Carolina, the city government. Uh, had a problem with outside hackers, okay? Um, The mayor of Atlanta not too long ago, and I think it was in 2018, where uh, Mayor Bottoms had uh, a ransomware uh, brought to her attention, where the hackers demanded millions of dollars after they disrupted the city of Atlanta. And she refused to pay it. But there, of course, can be a price to pay if you don't adhere to their demands. Okay, so a lot of personal information uh, can be exposed in those situations. So yes, cybersecurity is very, very much linked to what this course is all about. Businesses need to constantly upgrade their cybersecurity in order to make sure that their business practices are not compromised. And just within the last week or so, we have seen uh, sad examples of what happens when cybersecurity is not up to date. Okay, so I just wanted to uh, emphasize the reasons why I have been sending up-to-date Uh, newspaper articles on various topics and issues. I want you to get a general understanding of what we mean when we talk about uh, not just businesses in general, but uh, the economy as a whole. Uh, When you have ransomware uh, events, it hurts the economy, okay? Okay. It hurts individuals, okay so when you have hackers you know employing ransomware, it does, in the end, really, really hurt the economy. I think some of you have heard about uh, numerous incidences um, involving major companies like Target, okay, where hackers go in and still personal credit card information. So ransomware is a topic I would recommend you do more research on, Um, and not just because we are recently faced with it uh, by way of the colonial pipeline uh, problems, but just in general um, about how this country has to uh, be vigilant in terms of maintaining uh, their uh, cybersecurity, security. Uh, because as we learned with Colonial Pipeline, outside bad actors, if they hack certain systems, they can disrupt our entire way of life, okay? And as a result, that can impact businesses and our economy. I mean, look at your, your gas stations, um, people who uh, need gasoline to operate their businesses, okay? The ransomware, the hacking, uh, negatively impacted a lot of people, businesses, corporations, and our economy in general, okay? So please, as you're thinking about a topic or topics for the upcoming assignments. Uh, make sure that you you read the newspaper articles that I send your way. Make sure that you keep up with current day events that are related to business. Okay. All right. Uh, I think for now that's enough said. I just wanted to uh, update you on what to expect for the next the next two weeks. Uh, take your time in preparing for the two informed presentations, okay? Make sure that you do your homework for Chapter 7 uh, and have it turned into me by May 20th, which is next week, by no later than 10 p.m. Okay, so between now and then, you need to be working on, of course, your forms that are due week by week, but also make sure you keep up with the homework uh, that has been assigned. And your next major homework assignment is from Chapter 7, okay? So make sure you get that in uh, on the required due date, which is May 20th, okay? For those of you who start working on your To Inform form presentations early and want me to uh, look at your PowerPoints or your outlines or your works cited page, feel free to send them to me via email. Okay, everything is sent directly to me. Okay, there's no place to upload assignments on the Zinzibar site. Just email everything directly to me. So if you have something you want me to look at, I'll be glad to review it and let you know uh, whether you're going in the right direction or not. One thing that I failed to mention in my first audio was the fact that I will be willing to look at early paper drafts. Okay? Of course, there is a writing center available uh, for all of you if you need uh, a writing center uh, worker to look at your papers. But I am willing to look at early, partial, or full drafts of your papers prior to the due date. And for now, um, just keep in mind that I will start reviewing rough drafts probably a week out from the actual due date. Okay. So take advantage of that opportunity. It's not mandatory that you uh, send in an outline or a rough draft to me prior to the due date. But I would recommend that you take advantage of my willingness to review any early drafts. Okay, Because when I grade your papers, I will be grading them on three major components. This is something... Uh, i did not have time to really discuss in the first audio your papers as i said should be at least five pages in content that's not including the works cited page and just to recap what i discussed in the first audio you need to have a strong introductory paragraph and in that introduction you should give a brief overview or background on the business-related topic that you've chosen. You go from general to specific, meaning that you, in general, talk about the topic, and then the last sentence will be your thesis statement. And I should be able to look at your thesis statement and tell point by point what is going to be discussed in the body of the paper. And I recommend that you have at least a two, maybe three point thesis statement. Whether you're doing a to inform, a to persuade, or to argue paper, you still need to think about having a thesis statement that has two, maybe three specific points to discuss in the body of the paper. And what do we mean by the body of the paper? You need to devote at least one paragraph. And when I say paragraph, I'm talking about five sentences or more. Your paragraph should have a length of five sentences or more. I don't like short paragraphs. So you should devote a paragraph to each of your thesis points. Okay? And make sure in your paper that you... Directly quote from the required sources. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're doing a paper that's to inform or to persuade, you need two sources. So that means somewhere in the body of the paper, you're going to be bringing in at least two direct quotes. Okay? That helps support what you're trying to say, at least one of the points in your thesis statement. Okay? So In the body of the paper is where you will develop each of your thesis points by, of course, bringing in your own opinions, your own thoughts, backed up by solid quotes from periodicals like newspapers or magazines or maybe academic journals. But make sure you bring in strong support for what you're trying to say in the thesis statement. So if you have a three-point thesis statement, you're gonna have at least three paragraphs in the body of the paper, okay? And then the last paragraph is your conclusion. And you need to restate the thesis statement in the very beginning. And then there's a number of things you need to address. Number one, talk about what you learned as a result of doing the paper. Uh, Number two, update us on what is currently going on with the topic. Number three, bring in any personal connections between yourself and the topic, if it's applicable. But you need to uh, pretty much write your conclusion in such a way to leave your reader with something to think about. Okay. May you use I, that means the first-person narrative. Yes, you may. That means throughout the paper, you may use the pronoun I. But if you start out in the first person, you need to be consistent throughout the paper. Do not go back and forth between the first, second, or third-person narratives. Okay? Now, just to recap what that means. First person is the use of I. Second person is the use of the pronoun you. And a lot of students have a habit of utilizing that pronoun or jumping back and forth between I and you. Never, ever do that. If you want to start your paper with the first-person narrative, that means you need to be consistent. Don't jump back and forth between the use of I and And say the second person narrative, which is the use of you. Third person is when you use we, okay? When you have an objective point of view in the paper. So, whatever narrative voice you choose to start the paper with, you need to be consistent with that narrative voice throughout the rest of the paper, okay? So, yes, I want you to make this as personal as possible. That's why I'm allowing you to utilize the first-person narrative, I. Okay? Whatever you choose, be consistent. Okay? So, organizationally, your papers need to be set up in the way that I just talked about. And, yes... That is one of the major components that I will uh, look at when I'm grading the final drafts. So, number one is organization. Okay, that's very key. Organization meaning that you, you do everything you're supposed to do in terms of the introduction, the body, and the conclusion. Okay, oh, and something that I don't think I mentioned in the first uh, audio. When you utilize a direct quote from any source, do not utilize a quote that's four lines or more. Because if you utilize a long quotation, you have to set it off as a block quotation. Okay, which means you're going to be taking up too much space in what is already a short paper. If you want to know what a block quotation is, you need to review the MLA information that I already sent a few days ago, okay? Uh, So if you don't know what a block quotation is, please look it up, all right? And I did send the MLA link, the Purdue OWL link to the rules regarding the 8th edition of the MLA handbook. So make sure you look that up as well as review the proper way to document any quotes utilized in a paper. Okay? All that information has been sent. And when Chip Larkin, the librarian, speaks to us on June the 3rd, he will reinforce the information that I sent you in MLA. Okay? So make sure that when you're writing your papers you organizationally do the right thing and have the introduction have a body of the paper that supports at least two or more points in your thesis statement make sure that you address uh, the points that i mentioned as far as composing your concluding paragraph Okay, so number one is organization, one of the components that I'm going to uh, look at when I'm grading. Number two is content. Simply put, when I say content, I mean what you have to say, and did you say it effectively? Did you um, bring up enough supporting examples and details and quotes to strengthen whatever your point was, okay? So content is basically what you have to say and how effectively did you say it. Last component is grammar, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail later. In fact, I'm going to send all of you an overview of the major grammatical errors that should not be in the final drafts of your papers. Okay, so grammar is going to be considered when I grade your papers. And on that note, please take time before our first Zoom meeting, scheduled now for May 20th, please take time to review the Grammar Handbook in the back of your text, okay? Uh, The editors do a very good job giving you an overview about grammar as well as parts of speech. So what I want you to do prior to our first Zoom meeting is review that handbook and look specifically at the following things. Sentence fragments, comma splices, Fused or run-on sentences, and last but not least, subject-verb disagreement. Take a look at what the editors have in the back of your textbooks. Take a look at what they say about those major grammatical errors. Sentence fragments, simply put, simply defined, are sentences that are incomplete. Okay. You may have left out a word. You may have left out a subject or a verb, okay? So, if the sentence is lacking a subject or a verb, it can be considered a fragment. If you leave out a word in a sentence, and it may have a subject and a verb, but the sentence doesn't make sense, it can still be considered a fragment, okay? So, one too many fragments in a final draft of a paper really hurts the effectiveness of what you're trying to get across in terms of your discussion. So make sure that you know what a sentence fragment is. Make sure you know what comma splices are. A comma splice is when you have a comma connecting two complete sentences, okay? Or what we call in grammar, Main clauses, okay? Never ever connect two sentences with a comma. How would you correct that? How would you avoid that? By utilizing either a period, a semicolon, or a conjunction. Same thing with fused or run-on sentences. The difference is that when you have a fused or run-on sentence, there is nothing between two complete sentences, two or more complete sentences. So never ever run two complete sentences together with nothing between them. And how would you correct that? Same way you would correct a comma splice. Utilize either a semicolon, a period, or a coordinating conjunction. Okay? Never ever run two or more sentences together with nothing between them. That is called fused or run-on, okay? All of this is discussed in the grammar handbook that's within your text, okay? So make sure you review that information prior to our first Zoom meeting. Make sure that you review that grammar handbook before starting to compose your drafts for the paper. Okay? Last is the subject verb disagreement. Simply put, it's when your subject and your verb do not agree. Okay? If your subject is plural, here's a simple rule. The subject is plural, more than likely your verb will not have an S. Okay? Simple, but it makes knowing about subject-verb disagreement a little bit easier, okay? For example, if your subject is plural, meaning even with a pronoun like we that doesn't have an S, but we know it's a plural pronoun, we, okay? You know not to use the verb is. It would be we are, A-R-E now in some cases you would have exceptions like you, the use of the pronoun you of course you're not going to say you is you would say you are so there are certain exceptions to that rule okay based on uh, how uh, the subject is utilized whether it's in the second-person narrative, as uh, I told you earlier, you is an example of that. So with the use of certain pronouns, okay, you may uh, not be able to follow that simple rule because you, of course, is singular. And normally the rule is when your subject is singular, okay, then your verb May have an S, but when you put you in a sentence, you would never ever write you is. That's informal. It would be you are. But normally, in most cases anyway, that rule will hold up. If your subject is plural, more than likely your verb will not have an S. Vice versa. If your Subject is singular, then more than likely your verb will have an S. So simple rules uh, to help you avoid subject-verb disagreement. Now, there's other grammatical problems uh, that you you should avoid, but the ones that I just mentioned are major and should be avoided at all cost when it comes down to. Uh, during your final drafts. So, there will be more information sent out about this, but you also need to review what the editors have to say about those major grammatical errors. Subject-verb disagreement, comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, and of course, sentence fragments, okay? So a lot of this, I really did not feel I had the time to talk about in the first audio, which is where I wanted to just kind of give you a short general overview of the syllabus. But in this audio, I chose to talk in a little more detail about what is required for your upcoming papers, okay? And again, I'll talk about this more in our first scheduled Zoom meeting. And I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. If you want to send me an early draft, I'm willing to look at it. And it will probably be um, about 10 days out from uh, the due date. So keep in mind that I am willing to look at any early drafts. And I will look at those drafts to make sure that you're on track as far as organization, content, and grammar. All right, at this point, I think that's enough said. Uh, Make sure that if you have any questions about anything that I have said in this uh, audio, make sure you email me or you can call me, okay? But for right now, for the next week or so, next two weeks at least, what you need to focus on are the forms and your homework. Read the grammar handbook prior to May 20th. Okay? And if you have any ideas for the two informed presentation, send them my way. If you have any early materials that you want me to look at for the two informed presentations that will officially start May 27th, send them my way, and I will give you comments and feedback, okay? All right, that will be it for now. Have a good night, and make sure that you um, let me know once you've listened to this audio by emailing me verification. This is my second podcast or audio recording. I wanted to send this out to you to give you an update. I just sent an email stating that there will be no Zoom meeting scheduled for um, May the 13th at 6:30. And as as you know, I wanted to set up a Zoom meeting prior to the presentations so that I could. Uh, further talk about the, the syllabus and, uh, and what's required for the presentations as well as everything else. But the first audio, I think, did a pretty good job at summarizing the requirements and giving you some details about what is expected for the to inform, the to persuade, and the to argue presentations, as well as the paper. Uh, which I briefly discussed in the first audio. So even though I did that, I feel that a meeting, a Zoom meeting, where we're all online, will help further clarify what you need to do for business uh, communications. So I have scheduled the Zoom meeting for that discussion on May twentieth at six thirty, and what I'm going to do is send an invitation for that meeting. So there will be no Zoom meeting this week. Okay, May thirteenth. The first presentations, okay, won't happen until May twenty seventh. The two inform presentations. Uh, I originally wanted to start those presentations next week, but I have decided to give you more time to work on what you may want to discuss. Okay, And plus, I really wanted to have that Zoom meeting prior to uh, the presentation. So May 20th is the Zoom meeting to discuss the syllabus even more to go into more detail about your requirements for this course, okay? So May 20th, 6.30, will be that meeting. May 27th will be the date where the two informed presentations will begin. And on that Thursday night, we'll start around about 6.30. On another note, I just sent you notification that our first library presentation will be that following class period of June the 3rd, okay? Chip Larkin is the librarian who will probably begin his session around 6.15 on the night of June 3rd, Thursday night, to discuss the research databases in the library and how you can access those library uh, databases. Why is this important? Well, you have a major paper, okay, a five-page paper that will require two or maybe three sources, academic sources, to help support what you're talking about in that paper. And I talked about this in some detail in the first audio, but I'll just reiterate. If you're going to do a paper based on to inform or to persuade, then you'll need two sources, okay? Two sources that help support at least one of your thesis points, okay? If you do an argumentative paper, you'll need three sources, two sources that back up your thesis statement and at least one source that represents the opposition. So that June 3rd meeting is very, very important. And since all of you pretty much uh, stated that you had some flexibility, on Thursdays, I asked Chip Larkin to change his library um, meeting from Wednesday to Thursday, which is June 3rd. And it will probably start at 6.15 p.m. And he will, of course, send an invitation to that meeting. So I hope all of you are available for that night because it will be a very important meeting that will help you in terms of understanding how to utilize uh, the research databases that can be accessed online, okay? And it's very important because your major paper as well as your presentations require the use of academic sources. And I'll go back to that point that I brought up in the first audio. When I talk about sources, I'm talking about academic sources from either periodicals, which means newspapers or magazines, or you could utilize academic journals. But let me reiterate this point. If you're going to choose a business-related topic that is current, more than likely your best resources will be periodicals like newspapers or maybe magazines because, of course, they'll have more up-to-date information. So I would recommend that you utilize uh, newspaper articles like the ones that I've been sending you uh, since the beginning of this course, okay? So, I just wanted to shoot you this short podcast to remind you of the, the things to come and the changes in due dates, okay? The first presentations will not start until May 27th. The library presentation will be June 3rd at 6.15, okay? Now, all along, what you need to do is, of course, continue um, completing your forums that are due week by week, okay? One of your forums requires that you choose one of the many newspaper articles that I have sent to everybody, okay? And talk about that newspaper article in your form. Okay? Now, on that note, please keep in mind that I am sending these newspaper articles not just for that particular form, but to help assist you in coming up with an appropriate or appropriate uh, business related topics. Okay? And there's been a lot of news uh, recently. I've already sent you articles. Uh, About the pipeline, you know, the hacking of the pipeline and how that has led to a lot of headache for all of us. Well, how is that related to business? Okay, how is uh, that particular topic, as well as, um, say, ransomware, uh, pertinent to what this course is all about? Well, ransomware is related to cybersecurity. The reason why the Colonial Pipeline had to shut down operations is because they were hacked by an outside organization of hackers, okay, probably based in Russia. And what they did was disrupt the major pipeline that supports The southeast part of this country. So that is why the Colonial Pipeline had to shut down its operations so that they could uh, go in and make sure that there would be no further uh, problems or disruptions. Okay, so if you choose cybersecurity or ransomware for either your presentations or maybe your paper that will be an entirely appropriate topic for this course because cybersecurity is very, very essential. Uh, And we were reminded of that with this recent debacle concerning the colonial pipeline. Uh, Cybersecurity is very, very important when it comes down to making sure that ordinary operations continue in this country. And unfortunately, there's outside um, agents that will, for a ransom, disrupt uh, either a city or a town, or as we saw in this case, a major corporation, disrupt them just so that they can get money. And there are bad hackers out there who do this just for the ransom. Uh, So I don't know if you were aware of this, but a lot of small towns, even here in North Carolina, have had to pay out money to get their um, technical operations back online. So there are very, very insidious uh, agents out there who just to make millions of dollars will go in and uh, disrupt a company's um, operations via the computer, via the Internet, okay? A lot of valuable information, personal information, uh, has been hacked into on uh, not just a company level, but on a town or city level. Um, In fact, uh, in Greenville, North Carolina, the city government Uh, had a problem with outside hackers. Okay? Um, The mayor of Atlanta, not too long ago, and I think it was in 2018, where uh, Mayor Bottoms had uh, a ransomware uh, brought to her attention, where the hackers demanded millions of dollars after they disrupted the city of Atlanta. And she refused to pay it. But there, of course, can be a price to pay if you don't adhere to their demands. Okay, So a lot of personal information uh, can be exposed in those situations. So yes, cybersecurity is very, very much linked to what this course is all about. Businesses need to constantly upgrade their cybersecurity in order to make sure that their business practices are not compromised. And just within the last week or so, we have seen uh, sad examples of what happens when cybersecurity is not up-to-date, okay? So I just wanted to uh, emphasize the reasons why I have been sending up-to-date Uh, newspaper articles on various topics and issues. I want you to get a general understanding of what we mean when we talk about uh, not just businesses in general, but uh, the economy as a whole. Uh, When you have ransomware uh, events, it hurts the economy, okay? Okay. It hurts individuals, okay? So when you have hackers, you know, employing ransomware, it does in the end really, really hurt the economy. I think some of you have heard about uh, numerous incidences um, involving major companies like Target, okay? Where hackers go in and still personal credit card information. So ransomware is a topic I would recommend you do more research on, um, and not just because we have recently faced with it uh, by way of the colonial pipeline uh, problems, but just in general um, about how this country has to Uh, Be vigilant in terms of maintaining uh, their uh, cybersecurity. Because, as we learned with Colonial Pipeline, outside bad actors, if they hack certain systems, they can disrupt our entire way of life. Okay? And as a result, that can impact businesses. And our economy, I mean, look at your your gas stations, um, people who uh, need gasoline to operate their businesses. okay the ransomware, the hacking uh, negatively impacted a lot of people, businesses, corporations, and our economy in general. okay So please. As you're thinking about a topic or topics for the upcoming assignments, uh, make sure that you you read the newspaper articles that I send your way. Make sure that you keep up with current day events that are related to business. Okay. All right. Uh, I think for now that's enough said. I just wanted to uh, update you on what to expect for the next the next two weeks. Uh, take your time in preparing for the two informed presentations, okay? Make sure that you do your homework for Chapter 7 uh, and have it turned into me by May 20th, which is next week, by no later than 10 p.m. Okay, so between now and then, you need to be working on, of course, your forms that are due week by week, but also make sure you keep up with the homework uh, that has been assigned. And your next major homework assignment is from Chapter 7. Okay? So make sure you get that in uh, on the required due date, which is May 20th. Okay? For those of you who start working on your To Inform form presentations early and want me to uh, look at your PowerPoints or your outlines or your works cited page, feel free to send them to me via email. Okay, everything is sent directly to me. Okay, there's no place to upload assignments on the Zinzibar site. Just email everything directly to me. So if you have something you want me to look at, I'll be glad to review it and let you know uh, whether you're going in the right direction or not. One thing that I failed to mention in my first audio was the fact that I will be willing to look at early paper drafts. Okay, Of course, there is a writing center available uh, for all of you if you need uh, a writing center uh, worker to look at your papers. But I am willing to look at early, partial, or full drafts of your papers prior to the due date. And for now, um, just keep in mind that I will start reviewing rough drafts probably a week out from the actual due date. Okay. So take advantage of that opportunity. It's not mandatory that you uh, send in an outline or a rough draft to me prior to the due date. But I would recommend that you take advantage of my willingness to review any early drafts. Okay, Because when I grade your papers, I will be grading them on three major components. This is something... Uh, I did not have time to really discuss in the first audio. Your papers, as I said, should be at least five pages in content that's not including the Works Cited page. And just to recap what I discussed in the first audio, you need to have a strong introductory paragraph, and in that introduction you should give a brief overview or background on the business-related topic that you've chosen. You go from general to specific, meaning that you, in general, talk about the topic, and then the last sentence will be your thesis statement. And I should be able to look at your thesis statement and tell point by point what is going to be discussed in the body of the paper. Okay, and I recommend that you have at least a two, maybe three point thesis statement. Whether you're doing a to inform, a to persuade, or a to argue paper, you still need to think about having a thesis statement that has two, maybe three specific points to discuss in the body of the paper. And what do we mean by the body of the paper? You need to devote at least one paragraph. And when I say paragraph, I'm talking about five sentences or more. Your paragraph should have a length of five sentences or more. I don't like short paragraphs. So you should devote a paragraph to each of your thesis points, okay? And make sure in your paper that you directly quote from the required sources. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're doing a paper that's to inform or to persuade, you need two sources. So that means somewhere in the body of the paper, you're going to be bringing in at least two direct quotes. Okay. That helps support what you're trying to say, at least one of the points in your thesis statement. Okay. So, In the body of the paper is where you will develop each of your thesis points by, of course, bringing in your own opinions, your own thoughts, backed up by solid quotes from periodicals like newspapers or magazines or maybe academic journals. But make sure you bring in strong support. what you're trying to say in the thesis statement. So if you have a three-point thesis statement, you're going to have at least three paragraphs in the body of the paper. Okay? And then the last paragraph is your conclusion. And you need to restate the thesis statement in the very beginning. And then there's a number of things you need to address. Number one, talk about what you learned as a result of doing the paper. Uh, Number two, update us on what is currently going on with the topic. Number three, bring in any personal connections between yourself and the topic, if it's applicable. But you need to uh, pretty much write your conclusion in such a way to leave your reader with something to think about. Okay? May you use I, that means the first-person narrative. Yes, you may. That means throughout the paper, you may use the pronoun I. But if you start out in the first person, you need to be consistent throughout the paper. Do not go back and forth between the first, second, or third-person narratives. Okay? Now, just to recap what that means. First person is the use of I. Second person is the use of the pronoun you. And a lot of students have a habit of utilizing that pronoun or jumping back and forth between I and you. Never, ever do that. If you want to start your paper with the first person narrative, that means you need to be consistent. Don't jump back and forth. Between the use of I and, say, the second person narrative, which is the use of you. Third person is when you use we, okay? When you have an objective point of view in the paper. So whatever narrative voice you choose to start the paper with, you need to be consistent with that narrative voice throughout the rest of the paper. Okay? So, yes, I want you to make this as personal as possible. That's why I'm allowing you to utilize the first person narrative. I. Okay? Whatever you choose, be consistent. Okay? So, organizationally, your papers need to be set up in the way that I just talked about. And, yes, that is one of the major components that I will uh, look at when I'm grading the final drafts. So number one is organization. Okay, that's very key. Organization meaning that you you do everything you're supposed to do in terms of the introduction, the body, and the conclusion. Okay. Oh, and something that I don't think I mentioned in the first uh, audio. When you utilize a direct quote from any source, do not utilize a quote that's four lines or more. Because if you utilize a long quotation, you have to set it off as a block quotation. Okay, which means you're going to be taking up too much space in what is already a short paper. If you want to know what a block quotation is, you need to review the MLA information that I already sent a few days ago, okay? Uh, So if you don't know what a block quotation is, please look it up, all right? And I did send the MLA link, the Purdue OWL link to the rules regarding the eighth edition of the MLA handbook. So make sure you look that up as well as review the proper way to document any quotes utilized in a paper. Okay? All that information has been sent. And when Chip Larkin, the librarian, speaks to us on June the 3rd, he will reinforce the information that I sent you in MLA. Okay? So... Make sure that when you're writing your papers, you organizationally do the right thing and have the introduction. Have a body of the paper that supports at least two or more points in your thesis statement. Make sure that you address uh, the points that I mentioned as far as composing your concluding paragraph. Okay, so number one is organization. One of the components that I'm going to uh, look at when I'm grading. Number two is content. Simply put, when I say content, I mean what you have to say. And did you say it effectively? Did you um, bring up enough supporting examples and details and quotes to strengthen whatever your point was, okay? So content is basically what you have to say and how effectively did you say it. Last component is grammar, and I'm going to talk about this in more detail later. In fact, I'm going to send all of you an overview of the major grammatical errors that should not be in the final drafts of your papers. Okay, so grammar is going to be considered when I grade your papers. And on that note, please take time before our first Zoom meeting, scheduled now for May 20th, please take time to review the grammar handbook in the back of your text, okay? Uh, The editors do a very good job giving you an overview about grammar as well as parts of speech. So what I want you to do prior to our first Zoom meeting is review that handbook and look specifically at the following things. Sentence fragments, comma splices, used or run-on sentences and last but not least subject-verb disagreement take a look at what the editors have in the back of your textbooks take a look at what they say about those major grammatical errors sentence fragments simply put simply defined are sentences that are incomplete okay You may have left out a word. You may have left out a subject or a verb. Okay, so if the sentence is lacking a subject or a verb, it can be considered a fragment. If you leave out a word in a sentence, and it may have a subject and a verb, but the sentence doesn't make sense, it can still be considered a fragment. Okay, so one too many fragments in a final draft of a paper really hurts the effectiveness of what you're trying to get across in terms of your discussion. So make sure that you know what a sentence fragment is. Make sure you know what comma splices are. A comma splice is when you have a comma connecting two complete sentences, okay? Or what we call in grammar, main clauses. okay. Never ever connect two sentences with a comma. How would you correct that? How would you avoid that? By utilizing either a period, a semicolon, or a conjunction. Same thing with fused or run-on sentences. The difference is that when you have a fused or run-on sentence, there is nothing between two complete sentences, two or more complete sentences. So never ever run two complete sentences together with nothing between them. And how would you correct that? Same way you would correct a comma splice. Utilize either a semicolon, a period, or a coordinating conjunction, okay? Never ever run two or more sentences together with nothing between them. That is called fused or run-on, okay? All of this is discussed in the grammar handbook that's within your text, okay? So make sure you review that information prior to our first Zoom meeting. Make sure that you review that grammar handbook before starting to compose your drafts for the paper. Okay? Last is the subject verb disagreement. Simply put, it's when your subject and your verb do not agree. Okay? If your subject is plural, here's a simple rule. If the subject is plural, more than likely your verb will not have an s. Okay? Simple, but it makes knowing about subject-verb disagreement a little bit easier, okay? For example, if your subject is plural, meaning even with a pronoun like we, that doesn't have an S, but we know it's a plural pronoun, we, okay? You know not to use the verb is. It would be we are, A-R-E. Now, in some cases, you would have exceptions, like you, the use of the pronoun you. Of course, you're not going to say you is. You would say you are. So there are certain exceptions to that rule, okay, based on uh, how uh, the subject is utilized, whether it's in the second-person narrative, as uh, I told you earlier, you is an example of that. So with the use of certain pronouns, okay, you may uh, not be able to follow that simple rule because you, of course, is singular. And normally the rule is when your subject is singular, okay, then your verb May have an S, but when you put you in a sentence, you would never ever write you is. That's informal. It would be you are. But normally, in most cases anyway, that rule will hold up. If your subject is plural, more than likely your verb will not have an S. Vice versa. If your Subject is singular, then more than likely your verb will have an S. So, simple rules uh, to help you avoid subject-verb disagreement. Now, there's other grammatical problems uh, that you, you should avoid, but the ones that I just mentioned are major and should be avoided at all cost when it comes down to Uh, during your final drafts. So, there will be more information sent out about this, but you also need to review what the editors have to say about those major grammatical errors. Subject-verb disagreement, comma splices, fused or run-on sentences, and, of course, sentence fragments. Okay? Okay. So, a lot of this I really did not feel I had the time to talk about in the first audio, which is where I wanted to just kind of give you a short general overview of the syllabus. But in this audio, I chose to talk in a little more detail about what is required for your upcoming papers. Okay? And again, I'll talk about this more. In our first scheduled Zoom meeting. And I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. If you want to send me an early draft, I'm willing to look at it. And it will probably be um, about 10 days out from uh, the due date. So keep in mind that I am willing to look at any early drafts. And I will look at those drafts to make sure that you're on track as far as organization, content, and grammar. All right, at this point, I think that's enough said. Uh, Make sure that if you have any questions about anything that I have said in this uh, audio, make sure you email me or you can call me, okay? But for right now, for the next week or so, next two weeks at least, what you need to focus on are the forms and your homework. Read the grammar handbook prior to May 20th, okay? And if you have any ideas for the two informed presentation, send them my way. If you have any early materials that you want me to look at for the two inform presentations that will officially start May 27th, send them my way, and I will give you comments and feedback, okay? All right, that will be it for now. Have a good night, and make sure that you uh, let me know once you've listened to this audio by emailing me verification.